to the latest edition of IDS Talks. Uh, if this is your first time, welcome. Uh, if you are a longtime listener or viewer, welcome back. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of speaking with uh, Dan Ruprick and Tim LaTulip. This is not our tea time, gents, because today, January 28th, Data Privacy Day. Who's excited? Seriously. I mean, amazing. First, uh, perhaps people have not had the pleasure of watching us in our Tea Time conversations. So uh, just briefly, if you could each introduce yourselves and uh, share with our audience uh, what you do here at IDS. Sure. I'll, I'll go quickly. Uh, Tim LaTulip, um, one of the directors here at IDS, and I co-lead the European arm with Dan Ruprecht here on the line via London. Uh, spent a number of years here in Europe, just like Dan, um, but don't, so, so don't let the accent fool you. Uh, I have a strong background in data forensics and sort of data-driven legal challenges, consulting generally, uh, very technical background, um, but work very closely as a consultant with corporates and uh, outside legal counsel. Dan? Yeah, thanks, Tim. Um, and as Tim mentioned, I, I co-lead the uh, UK arm of uh, IDS, and, and we sort of cover the, the region uh, around the, the Isles and, and over onto the continent as well with, with large-scale investigations and, and other uh, sort of e-discovery matters. Uh, my background's a little bit different from, from Tim's. I come from a more legal perspective, uh, having spent most of my career at a, a large international law firm. Um, I've bounced around a bit, first starting off in, in D.C. For, for a few years, but uh, spent about five years in Belgium and now five years here in the U.K. Uh, so I have a very unique perspective when it comes to uh, data and data privacy uh, and really uh, have, have spent the last and better part of a decade really understanding the nuances when, when dealing with uh, cross-border litigation and, and investigations. And you are two all-around good guys. So, I mean, there's there's that too, right? We do our best. Um, yeah, well. <laughs> um, now, before we get into data privacy, uh, Tim, I know you like to share knowledge nuggets. Um, and so I understand you might have a couple to drop on us right now. Yeah, yeah. Just a minute before we, we came on here, I, I alluded to some knowledge nuggets as uh, Jonathan referred to them. Uh, January 28th, this, this day, is actually quite an interesting day in history, uh, over many centuries, actually. It's actually overwhelming how much stuff has happened on January 28th. I, I suspect data privacy day is the, the least interesting, <laughs> not to, not to uh, discount what we're talking about. But uh, in, in 1887, the engineer and uh, architect Gustave Eiffel broke ground on the Eiffel Tower in Paris. They began work. Mm -hmm. And I think it took them two or three years to, to finish it. It was quite a, quite a feat. Um, and also uh, Edward VI succeeded Henry VIII in England as a nine-year-old boy. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of very interesting things happened on this day, uh, if you go and Google it. See, learn something new every day. I was, I was coming ready just to talk about data privacy. Now I'm thinking about the Eiffel Tower, and I'm thinking about Dan's trip to uh, Buckingham Palace, which we can't really talk about. Uh, I don't think we're allowed to. That'll be, we'll save that for a tea time, perhaps. Yeah, tea um, time all right, but we're here to talk about Data Privacy Day. And I think that the the way to start it off is, uh, you know, word association. When, when I say data privacy, what do you guys think of? 
Um, I guess I can kick this one off. Uh, when I think about it, I just th I really sort of focus in on 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 the the differences in dealing with 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 data uh, around the world, and and I can only take it from a personal perspective. And and when I was working at a at a again a large international law firm, uh, first in the U.S. and then over in Belgium, even though I was doing the same job. Uh, in, in both locations, I think my day to day became, you know, a very different beast when I moved from one location to the next. And, you know, there were other issues that were at play in terms of the, the various jurisdictional regimes. But uh, I think by and far, the, the biggest difference is how we dealt with data over here in Europe. And, and whenever I hear data protection and data privacy, it really required me to shift my focus and my strategies when dealing with with the large scales investigations that I was working on. So so again, when I hear the word, I just think of how my life changed just just because of that uh, in my in my day to day work. What about you, Tim? Not not so different from Dan. I guess you won't be surprised to hear. I, I mean, we both started our careers in this space in America, um, so we've got quite a lot of experience on both sides of the Atlantic. I, I think kind of jokingly, the first thing I think of is privacy, privacy, kind of tomato, tomato. Uh, it, it's rare on the side of the world to hear people say privacy. So it's actually quite refreshing. I'm holding strong. <laughs> um, but I want to talk a little bit about, about data protection, but uh, do either of you find it, did you find it interesting that, um, this big push for data privacy and then data protection started over there. And now we're seeing it take hold here in the U S not a surprise that it's California, which mm. is, you know, very uh, unique in some ways, but were you surprised that uh, it was something that started on that side of the pond and has now made its way over here to the U S well, let me, I mean, Dan, if you're okay with it, I'll take a quick stab at this because I think, I think it's actually interesting for, for our listeners to consider that data privacy was probably a fundamental idea in America, at least early, early America, before it was in Europe, potentially. I think in the 1700s, I, you couldn't quiz me on the exact date, but ben, Benjamin Franklin's Postal Service in, it basically insisted that the, the mail saddles or the bags be locked. Uh, so there's always been this kind of underlying protection. And then later in the, the constitution, people to be secured in their, you know, their papers and their possessions kind of thing. So th there's always been this underlying data protection, data privacy element in the United States. But I think it, it at least in modern history, kind of World War II onwards, it was very profoundly um, implemented and kind of needed in, in Europe. You, you had um, pr pretty horrific stuff. I mean, it's, I don't have to outline it for, for most people. There, there was a lot of bad stuff that happened in Europe between the mid and late 30s onward right until the early 90s into the Cold War. There was a lot of collection of bibliographic information on people, their sexual preferences, who they voted for, what their leanings were like, were they having dissenting opinions. Uh, it was kept on index cards, you know, largely until the 80s and 90s. But the, the taking of information from people and using it uh, in an exploitative manner, manner was it was um, was quite rife. So, data protection laws in Europe were born from that kind of 
oppression and need. And that stuff, those scars are still very fresh in Europe. There are a lot of people alive and their kids still remember that kind of stuff. Uh, fascist governments, that, that sort of thing. So they're less, they, they have a more um, conservative approach to, to data. Whereas data is a largely and of much benefit to, to American companies, a commercial tool. So I'm, I'm actually in one way, not shocked that, that data privacy is kind of taken off as a, um, what's the word I'm looking for, a jumping point or a point of precedence in California because the large tech companies are there, the people collecting the information, processing it, utilizing it. Um, so it kind of makes sense. It's sort of a natural place, I think, for, for data protection to kind of take off in a way that mirrors what happens in Europe. What do, what do you think, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I think that's well said. And, and I think, I mean, even back at the, the outset, the, the advent of the internet, uh, 1995 uh, was the time when the European uh, data directive uh, came into effect. So, so that's at the earliest stages of, uh, of sort of large scale data management and, and all these rules and regulations uh, were born in that time period. Now they've evolved since, and you know, now with the GDPR, uh, it's been updated to more effectively provide uh, guidance uh, in, in a more modern age. But, but again, all the ideals uh, date back to, to the, the very start of, of us living in, the, in a more digital world. Uh, and then when you start thinking about other jurisdictions, and it's not just California, but you know, all over the world as, as uh, different countries and different jurisdictions start adopting uh, various levels of data privacy, uh, they're obviously not going to want to reinvent the wheel. So uh, I think going back to uh, a regime and a, and a, a construct that's been uh, tried and tested over 10 years or more, 20 years uh, almost, it's, uh, it, it's, it's an exercise. And again, just uh, taking what, what's already been learned and, and sort of building off of that. So uh, like Tim, not, not a huge surprise that, that we're seeing it pop up in places like California and then relying on, on sort of GDPR standards as well. Hmm. Yeah. See, I just assume my data is everywhere. Somebody has gotten it because I didn't read the fine print in the 80 page user agreement to get the app that allows me to crush aliens or line <laughs> up candy and make it explode or whatever. But um, uh, so we played that word association game with uh, data privacy. Let's do the same with data protection. So when, when, when I say data protection, what comes to mind? And we'll go, I think we started with Tim before maybe. So we'll start with Dan. If I'm wrong, we're still starting with Dan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, again, I, I really think that it, it boils down to the relationship with data and, and there are certain obligations that are associated with data protection that, that organizations and institutions need to recognize. Uh, you know, everyone has their own view. Like you just said, you have a very sort of open relationship with your data and you don't care who has it and, and what. Um, but others have a very different point of view in that respect. And, you know, they don't want to know, don't want anyone to know anything about them or, or have any kind of inclination or uh, understanding of, uh, of what makes up that person from a digital perspective. Uh, so you really have to take into consideration all those different views and relationships with data and make sure that you're, you're meeting those obligations. Uh, so when I think of data protection, I think of, uh, of what organizations can do to, to essentially protect those rights of, of the individuals and ensure that they are uh, being taken into consideration, no matter where you fall on that spectrum.
Mm. Now, look, let yeah. me be clear. Let me be clear. I care about my data. I don't like other people having my data. I just assume that I could try to stop it, but it's out there in so many places yeah. that basically Cats. I'm in trouble. I, I actually laugh about that a little bit because I have one of these Amazon Alexas that makes Tim cringe actually. Uh, but there's all of this information. We're constantly asking it questions. And if they're creating a profile on me, it's got to be one of the most scattered because I've got an eight-year-old and an 11-year-old that are just asking the craziest questions. So if they're trying to figure out who I am, they're going to have some, some really weird stuff about unicorns in there, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Tim, I think I think we have our topic for our next tea time. We'll just have uh, Ruprecht go into his uh, history, the voice yeah. history or the you know command history in his Alexa app and tell us what the last 10 were. That could be fun. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, all uni unicorns, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Belgian beer and unicorns. Yeah. Come on. Let's let's be serious here. Uh, Tim. Yeah. Same. <laughs> right. <laughs> Same question. If I if I'm remembering right, kind of word association with data protection, I kind of find the terms nebulous, and I think people use them interchangeably. I I tend to think of data privacy as the is the rights that people enjoy, whereas data protection is, and I think maybe Dan alluded to this as well slightly, is it's the it's the measures and the mechanisms that people put into place to control their data to stay in line with their local laws, whether it be a directive or a regulation uh, that's just, you know, uh, wide scale kind of legislated like it is here in the European bloc. Um, yeah, I mean, and to your point, Jonathan, I mean, it's I don't believe that you don't care about your data. I just think uh, I think a lot of people trade privacy for convenience. They just, you know, it's easy to sign up for Gmail and these things and just have access to it. You, you assume underneath the hood there's something going on and you're right because nothing's free. Uh, but I guess you, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Maybe maybe a lot of your data is already being being used. Yeah, interesting. Well, the, the, the topic of data privacy and data protection, we could have a whole day on, on video or on our audio podcast. But the reality of it is people are listening, have already graciously given us this time. So what I'd like to do is actually just kind of uh, close out on uh, if there are three takeaways related to data privacy and data protection that you think people should have in mind, what would they be? Hmm. Um, I, could, I, I can kick this off, and, and I'm sure Tim will have stuff to, to add to it. But I think first and foremost, uh, because it is a, a fairly uh, robust topic and, and one that, that needs to be navigated uh, very carefully depending on what jurisdiction you're working in. Uh, I would say first and foremost, uh, if you do come across personal data or personal information about individuals, uh, and in particular, if they're from locations that you know data privacy and protection is, is um, taken very seriously with uh, huge legal ramifications associated with it, uh, I would say your your first protocol is to to reach out to legal counsel, either internal or external, to to help that sort of navigation process. Uh, it's 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 not a an easy document to navigate or or an easy 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 concept to to grasp. So I think uh, you know getting someone on board who is focused on that area of the law is 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 very important. Mm. Um, yeah, a, a second point. I guess I would add is that the rest of the world is not the United States. 
and I, I say that comfortably as an American-born expatriate living overseas. You can't you can't expect the rest of the world to behave the way that the United States does, even particularly if it's the um, uh, a matter of a legal matter based in the United States, whether it's a DOJ demand or, or request, um, or if it's some civil litigation at, at the state level somewhere in the United States where custodians or data subjects in the context of what we do in e-discovery forensics, large scale investigations, people live all over the world uh, and their data sit in these countries. It could be Belgium, it could be Hong Kong, it could be France, it could be England. The, their local data privacy and protection rights attach to, to, to where they live. It doesn't, it doesn't mean wholesale data can't go to America, but you have to have legal counsel, some consideration uh, and just an agreed upon way of transferring that data to the US. I'll, I'll put my hand up. We do it all of the time. It's yeah. not always everything all of American counsel wants. Sometimes it's a subset of it. Sometimes it goes through a triage here in Europe before it gets properly transferred through a mechanism that's safe and legal. Standard contractual clauses being what's um, uh, allowed pr presently with um, privacy shield being uh, struck down by the European Court of Justice not long ago. Uh, but that's that's a big key takeaway number two is, is that, you know, data, the rest of the world does not play by America's rules and standards for data protection. Yeah, and I think that was a good segue into what I would say is the third takeaway, which is uh, which is it's never it's it's never no. Uh, you know, there are always avenues, and and Tim mentioned a couple of them in terms of being able to one process data, uh, but two also review and transfer that data. Uh, and and working with legal counsel and your service providers, uh, you know being able to set up those frameworks and, and legally transfer that data or legally process and review that data. Uh, again, we always say that, uh, that, that there's always a way. We just have to make sure that we're doing it the right way. Uh, and going through the, the various um, exemptions and exceptions to the rules and, and making sure that we're doing everything by uh, law and in accordance with our obligations as processors and taking into consideration uh, the obligations of the data controllers and always thinking about the rights of the subjects. Uh, again, there's always an avenue and an answer for, for the interrogation. I think that what I've always said and what I've always seen is that no one, and it doesn't matter where you live in the world, no one wants to create a sort of data safe haven, like a place where you can just put data that no one can get to. Uh, so in essence, they've created bridges for you to get to what you need, but it just has to be done correctly. Yeah. Well, look, I know the two of you are dying to get out there to celebrate Data Privacy Day. I'm sure huge celebrations are planned um, for uh, for our, our watchers and our listeners. If you have other questions that you would have liked to have asked Dan and Tim, please feel free to email us at info at idsinc.com. I'll make sure that the uh, questions get over to the two of them and they're happy to have a conversation. Uh, if this is your first time joining us for I IDS Talks, um, please go to your favorite place to get your podcasts. If you're watching this on video and you aren't subscribed to our podcast, go there, listen to the exciting tea times and other uh, videos that we have uh, recorded, other podcasts recorded. Um, if you are listening to this on a podcast and you'd like to see these in video format, uh, please go to the IDS Talks YouTube channel and you can subscribe there. Uh, again, Dan, Tim, thanks for spending uh, some time with me today. I look forward to our next conversation and uh, 
happy Data Privacy Day. Have fun, all. Pleasure.